Welcome to the Breakfast Leadership Show, where we interview global thought leaders on business, leadership, and life. Here's your host, keynote speaker, best-selling author, and chief burnout officer of the Breakfast Leadership Network, Michael Levitt. Welcome back. I've got Joel Gondera on. Joel, how are you? I'm fantastic, Michael. Thanks for having me. Oh, thank you for coming on the show. Really looking forward to this conversation. You've got an incredible backstory and, and a ton of success. And it certainly didn't start off looking that way in your life. So why don't you share a little bit about you and then we'll dive into the conversation. Yeah, I was born in Cuba, communist country. And in 1980, the Mariel Boatlifts, my parents, my brother and I, we got out of there on a boat very rough seas. I remember all of it, or a lot of it, and um, got here to the land of freedom and opportunity to the United States. And that's a great start. However, grew up in poverty, grew up in a rough neighborhood, and had a lot of ups and downs, a lot of downs, and got through them all and started a little business. And, it, you know, that sounds pretty easy. You say those words and it sounds fantastic. The problem is, it wasn't like that. I started going to garage sales and buying stuff, taking it to the flea market when I was in high school, selling chocolates at my school, trading cards, whatever I could to make lunch money, to make whatever money, because my parents did not have a lot. They provided everything they could, but it was very, very limited. And, uh, you know, fast forward a lot of years, I now own apparel brands. I own a fulfillment center for e-commerce websites, and I invest in different things. And I coach entrepreneurs at 38 years old after 16 hour days for a long time. At 38 years old, I retired from day to day operations, still own the businesses, still advise. But I, uh, I got to do something I absolutely love, which is coach entrepreneurs. That's amazing. And just a quick story. How long did it take you in your family from the time that you pushed away from the shores of Cuba to land in the U.S.? Do you remember how long that took? Yeah. You know, my parents have told me it's hard. I was little, but you know, it's, it's a long thing. Also, we my parents don't know the day we arrived. They didn't know the date we left. We were at a camp waiting there without food, without anything for a day or two mm-hmm. in Cuba. And then sitting on the boat, I remember standing outside the boat for a long time when they finally let us in. Remember it's a communist country. They don't treat you well. Uh, and then we sat on the boat for hours, finally got pushed off. I think on the boat was almost 12 hours total. It was storm, so it was a slow ride. But I do have a beautiful memory, and it's calm seas coming into Key West. And it's a mm. long cement port. And there were ladies, volunteers there with soups and Coca-Cola and chocolates. And just a few weeks ago, I looked up a video on YouTube, and I saw that port, that cement port. I'd never seen a picture of it. I'd always described it to everybody, but I, I got to see it. And uh, so that's the, that's the beautiful part, when it ended. That's what I try to focus on. That's the best thing to focus on is, you know, you know, the journey, they always tell us in business and life and everything like that to enjoy the journey. That was a challenging journey. But when you see that destination, like we've, we've landed, you know, not knowing all the things you had to endure and all of that, still the opportunity, you know, the opportunity of hope, the opportunity to do things in your life, to launch your own business, obviously at that age, Probably weren't thinking much about that, but for so many people, whenever they launch into something that is new, you know, it can be scary, but you know what? It's that opportunity to be able to do that is, is something that I think too many of us don't spend enough time actually 
enjoying the fact that we have that opportunity when so yeah, we many take people it for don't. Granted. I think we take it for granted. If we're born and raised in freedom, we think this is the standard. When you're not born and raised in freedom, you constantly have this reminder of this is how it could have been. And this is the opportunity I have. There's no guarantee of success here, but there's an opportunity. It's phenomenal. When I hear excuses and complaints, I always think, wow, this person's had it too easy all their life. You need some rough patches to help you appreciate the process. It's like a diamond was, you know, in order to get to the diamond, you got to refine the heck out of it and, and chip away at a lot of things to get it to something that a lot of people, you know, look at as successful. And, and I a think, lot of and stress and pressure too makes that diamond. Exactly. Yeah. And I always, you know, tell people, it's like, it feels like life's throwing bricks at me. And I said, well, just grab them, collect them and build some steps and elevate yourself above it. And it's those experiences make us so much better. So fast forward to obviously launching your own business and, and starting that, you know, what was, you know, from selling trading cards and you know, all the things that you did, obviously the entrepreneurial spirit was within you. It was from a survival standpoint, but you, you could have easily just played the victim. You know, there's uh, now maybe not in the, you know, the best states have, you know, the strongest social services, but there are a lot of people that go, I'm going to play the victim and just lean on support from the government to take care of me forever and ever and, and not really push yourself. But you didn't have that. You had the, let's, let's go do whatever I need to do in order to get some lunch money. Let's do this and do this. And, by then, I mean, it sounds like you were pretty much self-taught on how to sell and, and solve problems and provide services or products that people want. Yeah, necessity will do that. So you try things out, you test things, and, and all of it for me was organic in the sense that I never had, I still till this day, I've never read or written a business plan. It was just, hey, I got this thing. Let me see if somebody will buy it. And it literally started in fourth grade with trading cards, garbage pail kids. I still have a stack from the original, uh, you know, 30 something years ago. And I just started, I don't know, I bought them for a nickel, let's say in the packs and I'd sell them for 10 cents, 25 cents, a dollar if they were very popular. And that gave me this feeling and this sense of power. Like I could go buy some donuts after school because I have a few bucks here. And that gave me, you know, my parents wouldn't give me money for donuts. They gave me money just for like the basics. And so that was cool. And then what else can I do? And, and the irony is that I never fit inside the box of school, of jobs. I was always a good worker and I worked really hard, but I hated working for somebody and I hated school. And so I had to go out and try different things. The interesting is, the thing is that society never lent itself to help anyone in my position. It was go to school, go get a job, follow the process. And I always felt really trapped and weird and like I didn't fit in this world until I started meeting some entrepreneurs and, and unfortunately, I didn't meet them very young, so I was stuck for a long time. But once I started meeting them and I heard their stories, I go, oh, you, you make your own path. You make your own path. And when, the way you're describing it, it's like, okay, go to school, get your degree, get a job, get in line, do all that stuff. It sounds, and this is going to sound tongue-in-cheek, but it sounds kind of communistic in a way. If you look at it, it's like, okay, just get in line, do this, stay in line. Don't, don't deviate to the left or the right. Just, you know, do this. And the entrepreneurs, the ones that break the mold and are really successful in life are the ones that don't necessarily stick to that plan. Like you said, you've never written or read a business plan. 
hallelujah. Those things are boring. They, they're just dry as heck and you just, you can't get anything out of them. And everyone reads them, they go, okay, what are you trying to do? And that's why they always fail where your approach is, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to do this. And everybody goes, okay, that makes a lot of sense. It's just you know, yeah. using knowledge and understanding of what's going on within the organization. Yeah. And I'm, I'm all about action. I'm so action oriented, uh, maybe to a fault. I just want to try something and, and I don't need to talk about, let's say, I don't know, we're going to sell these. I don't need to talk about it for 10 hours. All I need to do is what's it going to cost me? How do I get it landed here? What's that cost? How can I distribute it? What can I sell it for? Okay. We got to order 10,000. Is there any way we can order 200 of them and just do a test? We'll overpay for them, but let's do a test. But can we order those today? Can we start selling them next week? I like that approach because it instantly we're going to know, is it good or bad? And if it's bad, great. Check it off. That didn't work. Go on to the next thing or adjust it a little bit and make it work. That's what I'm all about. And I hope the message gets out there to anybody who's on the fence about things like that. That's okay. It's worked for me. It's worked for a lot of people. And it is a way that maybe the books won't tell you to do it, but, but it's worked. And that's the thing is if you, if you don't take risks, then you know, your results are going to be minimal. Yeah, maybe you'll land something huge, but for the most part, you're not going to stumble on anything that's different than anything else out there. And, and blowing past the, okay, we have to do the trial, the pilot, let's have the meetings with the meetings, and then we're going to have some meetings about those meetings, and you haven't launched anything. I, I worked in healthcare for a long time, and there was one physician I was on uh, ironically, a bunch of committee meetings, and he would show up, and you know the the administrative people, similar to myself, you know, would launch a lot of different ideas and things like this. And he would just say, "Look," and again, he was a physician. He said, "Let's try this and do this." Yeah, we don't have all the information, but we've got enough. It's good enough. Launch. Let's do it. And that particular group outperformed everyone else by leaps and bounds because we said, let's try it. And we knew, like uh, the example you said, let's order 200. Same thing. Start real small. Okay. We, we've determined this is not going to work. All right. Stop. All right. Let's, because you can pivot a lot easier if you're moving. If you're sitting at a conference room table, brainstorming ideas and going through 8,000 post-it notes to come up with some ideas, you're not going to move anywhere. It's like, yeah. get, the, get the basics. What, what's the outcome? What do you want to see out of this? launch it. Let's go. And we can adjust along the way. You know, today I own apparel brand. So in my coaching business, even though I coach people who are, you know, dog breeders, event centers, uh, physicians, I have a lot of coaching clients. However, I've attracted some people who own apparel brands. I, great person that I coached for maybe six months, they launched an apparel brand with zero knowledge of the industry and an $800,000 order at cost. I wish I would have met that person before they did that. I started coaching them when they were in trouble and, and we just ended up closing up that business, selling out the inventory, that sort of thing. But, but imagine, I mean, I've never done that. I own apparel brands and we sell millions of dollars a year. I would never order $800,000 to start the project. My first order ever after I'd already been in the industry, I was a, a distributor for people, you know, other people's brands. When I started my first brand, it was an $80,000 order. I had most of it sold already, but I felt comfortable. I knew I could sell this. I could double my money in a couple months and move on and grow it. So yeah, I like moving and action, but, but in small digestible steps. It's the best way to go because otherwise it's better to say, you know what? We ran out of stock. We're going to order more than you to have two warehouses full of stuff that no one wants. 
And then you're like, okay, now what do we do with this? All right, well, guess we end up doing a tax write-off and we send it overseas and they do something with it. And because if no one in North America or Europe or wherever else is willing to wear this or use this, it's got to go somewhere. So yeah, it's, you know, start off small. And you know, again, that was a great example where he said, you know, I pretty much already have all of this sold. So, you know, a lot of people logically would think, okay, if you're going to sell 80,000 worth of materials, services, goods, whatever, that's all you order. So all of a sudden you're, you're sold out before you even start. And a lot of people are like, well, that's not the way to start. Like, well, we actually want to prove that we actually did sell this. Let's look at returns. What kind of situations do we have with that? Is it a quality product? Because, you know, there's, all, you know, I'm, I'm preaching to the choir here. You're doing all of that kind of stuff ahead of the time. But again, once you actually start getting out there and doing it, that's, that's when you actually experience things. You got to get out. And like you said before, you're an action person. You got to get out and be active. You got to get in the, play, the game and, and do these things because otherwise it's just looking at pieces of paper and you're not moving anything along. Right. So in your business, and you said you mentioned, you know, the payroll business and things like that. It sounds like you've done in, in looking and researching and all of that. You've, you've had your hands in a lot of different things, which and in the work that I do, I speak at conferences about burnout and workplace culture and all of that good stuff. And I speak to a lot of different industries and a lot of people say, well, wouldn't you want to focus on one? So yeah, there's certain groups that I resonate with more than others, but when there's opportunities to impact a certain area or a certain group or a certain product line or something like that, and I know that it's going to turn around and be profitable, why not? I can do it. So, you know, walk us through a little bit of that experience because, you know, after you launch your business and you start getting some success, you're venturing out in a variety of different things. So, you know, what was that process like? Yeah. So I like to try new things. And like I said, in very small steps, but I like when things are vertical and, and sometimes they're vertical, but jump over a little bit, but I don't like, I don't know if I sold, if I distributed sodas and that was a, you know, bottling or, or sodas and beverages. And if I was in that business, I might look at snack foods and other convenience store things, right? I'd, I'd probably try to move over in that direction, but where it's complementary. I already have the warehouse. I have the clients. Now, I'm not in that industry, but in my case, I'm in apparel. So if I sell underwear, swimwear is a logical approach. Uh, operating a fulfillment center for other people's products. That's a logical approach because I've been doing it for myself for 20 years. Uh, writing software that competes with the software that's out there for other fulfillment centers, we did that. And now we have a business that sells software to fulfillment centers and to warehouses. So none of these are crazy. They might sound like it's all over the place, right? When I just say it here, an underwear company, swimwear, athletic apparel, a, a fulfillment center, a software company, you go, wow, this guy's all over the place. Not at all. All of those went hand in hand. And when I saw, wow, our software is really good. Let me take demos of all the competitors in the space. And I realized ours is pretty good, uh, better than all the ones that I see. Then we launched uh, a business doing that. Now, whenever necessary, like in my software company, it's called Rocketship, rocketship.io. And we do software for warehouses. I didn't do that alone because I knew I wasn't the guy for that. I designed the software as we needed it for our warehouse for 10 years and kept updating it, but I found the right people. You know, people who have major exits in software, that's the CEO and partner. Uh, someone who runs a, uh, 
about, you know, he, uh, he manages a bunch of developers. That's the other partner. And, you know, it's kind of, there's a book, I think it's by Dan Sullivan, who, not how I found the who's who can help me grow that business. Not the how I don't need to know how to write software and I don't need to know how to sell it really. So, so I did that there and, and, and that's the journey. It's kind of, I needed this thing. I developed it. I grew it. I figured it out. Oh, there might be a business here. Let me go branch out and do that. I love that. It reminds me of uh, some investment uh, advice or suggestion. And again, let me, before I say anything else, not an investment show, not providing investment advice, but they said a lot of times when you're investing in something, also look at the thing behind the thing. Okay. What makes that distribution center work? Okay. What's the logistics? What type of mechanisms? What kind of systems they have? Oh, they use the software. What kind of software is it? Oh, it's from this organization. Are they publicly traded? Yep. Do they look, let's take a look at them. And next thing you know, you're like, oh, not only am I making investments in an organization that's growing, the tool that they use to help them grow is helping other organizations grow too. And so that's just a thing, but I love how you explained it because it's like, yeah, it might look at first like, why are you getting into this software space? But yeah, it's for the distribution center, which I've ran and I wrote the software and had somebody else kind of take it and take it to the next level. And, and then that way I don't have to worry about it. I can sit back and, and look for opportunities and, and like you said, you know, retiring at 38 is is definitely something that I think a lot of entrepreneurs right now would say, wow, I would love to be able to do that. You can, but there's certain things you have to do. Um, and and the fact that you're able to do that and now you get to choose, you know, what you do, which coaching is definitely something that you're really passionate about. Um, you know, that's that's a win-win for everybody involved. Yeah, absolutely. I, every day I wake up, I can't believe this is my life from being poor and working a lot to not really working much and, and not being poor and, and being able to help people. So, and, and, you know, to get to that, you could say, work really hard. Well, I know a lot of people who work really hard and they don't get ahead. Um, you mentioned it. I, I had to take some risks. I had to think a little bit outside the box, which to me comes naturally because I don't fit in anybody's box. I, I'm in my own weird shape whatever, not a box. Um, you know, I lived below my means. I worked really hard, long hours, two full-time jobs while I was building my business. I didn't sleep. So I did a lot of crazy things. And then I just looked for opportunities. I never saw things as stagnant. This isn't it. This is what it is right now, but who knows what it could be in a year or two years. I always like to think this is what I know today. And I don't know what I don't know. And, and I'll, I'll give you a quick example. First time I ever went to an apparel trade show is called the Magic Show in Las Vegas, big apparel show. And I had my little tiny 10 by 10 booth, which for me was an absolute sacrifice to pay $5,000 for this little booth, put up my little samples, which I didn't own the brand. I was the distributor that I got a, an agreement from a small brand overseas and I took it there. Around me were well-established niche brands that, that had triple size booth, quadruple size booth, clients and people writing wholesale orders and I had nothing. Um, the irony is that I've acquired now in that space, 12 different companies. I've acquired more in other spaces, but in that space. And among those are a lot of them that were in that same aisle as me at that very first show that I remember feeling intimidated. I was in my 20s. I didn't know what I was doing. And I saw, wow, they have like 10 buyers in that booth. I don't have anybody. I've got just my little products hanging on a hanger. They've got five models and, and displays and, you know, 
over the top stuff. I had a little poster and a couple of things on hangers. Um, and then I've been able to acquire those companies. Why? Because maybe in the moment, I didn't know that that's what I was going to do. And I thought anything's possible. Let me just stick through it and learn and talk to people. And then I heard things. And then I used that information to help me, you know, the, uh, whatever it may be. Someone gave me the idea once. They said, you know, you're a brand because by then I had my own brand and you're just selling wholesale to these shops. What if you bought a business? One of those buyers of yours who's a website, what if you bought their website? Now you put your brand front and center and go direct to the consumer. And this is before brands were doing that. When they were just, you know, it was, you're the whole, the brand, you wholesale it to a store and the store gets the customer. And I was one of the first ones in our industry to do that. And I bought a little website and that grew like crazy. And then I bought another one and kept buying brands. And that's how we plugged it in. So it's not following the status quo and kind of trying things a little bit differently. That it helped me at least. It's just looking for opportunities and looking to say, okay, what can I do to leverage this to do this? And once you start doing that, then it it's a snow it's a snowball going uphill. It just starts, you know, doing all kinds of different things, and you end up having some amazing success. So, uh, as we close, and all the things you've done in in the coaching and the business success and early retirement and doing all the things you do. Is there one moment that clicked with you when you realized, I don't want to say I've made it, but I'm really, really proud of myself and what I've been able to accomplish in this life? Yeah, there've been a couple. I can't narrow down one. I'll tell you quickly what they were like. I remember quitting my job at 29 years old, roughly, and my wife was pregnant with our first kid. And, and I quit my job. That was amazing because my little side gig of selling on eBay and selling wholesale to some stores was starting to get close to what my income was. So that was an amazing moment that I got. I'm actually self-employed. Somebody who worked two jobs all the time and had a little business. Now it's just this. That was one. Another one was at about 29, 30 years old, my wife quit her job as a registered nurse. And she came in and started helping me in the business. And that was a good income that she had, stability, health care, all the benefits of a stable, great job. She let that go. And so that was another one. A couple of years later, paying off our house was an amazing feeling. I know financially, some people say that's not the best advice. You should probably just have a lot of debt and invest all the money. But I just felt good knowing that, oh, okay, nobody's going to take this away. I just got to pay the, the property tax. Uh, so, so there's been moments like that, um, you know, hitting milestones in income. I wrote a little piece of paper like that once, and it, it was that year's income. And I typed it out. And then the next one was my projected, my goal for the next year and the next year. And I worked this out till I got to seven figures. And I typed it up, I laminated it, and I put it in my wallet. And every time I got stuff out of my wallet, I'd see it. I go, oh, yeah, that's right. And some years I wasn't on track. And then all of a sudden I had a great year and I was back on track. And finally, I hit that big milestone of seven figures on the year that I had written it for that year. And that was like eight years later or something like that. That was a huge milestone that told me, wow, I'm actually making it in this life. So, so I've had multiple milestones like that. That's amazing. And I always tell people for their goals, whatever they are, you know, health goals, fun goals, vacation goals, write it down where you can see it. It's a reminder because in life, we lose track of time. We we start thinking about other things. We look at other things. We don't pay much attention. And it, it's a good, I don't want to say gut check, but it's a reminder. Okay, what are you doing in life to get you to where you want to be? And you can get there. It's just write it down. Take the steps every day 
to get you to where you need to get to, and then you can have the success that you want to have. So, Joel, I've loved this conversation. Where can people find out more about you and all this amazing work? My personal website is my name, joelgandara.com. It's J-O-E-L-G-A-N-D-A-R-A. And there's not too many of us with that name. You can look me up on social media. I have a YouTube channel, youtube.com slash joelgandara. And I'm not a salesy person. I'm not out there to sell anybody anything, but I like to share the things I'm working on. And I hope that it inspires people. And every so often I get notes from people. Thank you. You inspired me to start working out, to start eating better, to start going on dates with my kids, with my wife, whatever it is. uh, I like sharing that to hear that it's making people better. That's awesome. And I'll definitely have that information in the show notes. So Joel, thank you again for being on the show and continued success and everything that you do. Likewise, Michael. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to The Breakfast Leadership Show, part of the Breakfast Leadership Network. Visit breakfastleadership.com for tips on empowering your business and your life.